Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, and welcome back to another edition of Toka Backstage. This is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of Toka. It's my Complete and total honor to have artist David Benoit with us today. David actually will be opening our 25th season on September 21st at 8 o'clock at the Armstrong Theater. David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I appreciate that, Christian. Yes, absolutely. You have a very long and illustrious career, I think like 25 albums. You've been musical director for some really big names. In your humblest of opinions. What do you think is your career highlight to date? Well, the first thing would be that it's actually 36 albums. Oh, sorry. (laughs) My Wikipedia was wrong. Sorry. (laughs) I had to count recently because that question came up from Shanahee Records. So uh, in fact, it's 36. But anyway, there have been a few career highlights. I mean, I I think recently one of them was a few years back when I got to conduct the Beethoven's Ninth Symphony at Disney Hall with the Asian America Symphony orchestra. That, that was an amazing event. Never forget it. We had a 400-piece choir of a lot of the Japanese-American community. Oh, wow. It was really something. So that, I, I would say that was definitely a career highlight. And you travel the world. Any, any favorite spots you like to perform at? Well, there's been a few. Performed recently, well, I, a couple of years ago at the Algarve Festival in Portugal. And uh, in fact, I wrote a piece about it with Mar- Marc Antoine. Uh, that was a fantastic, beautiful place, uh, very inspiring. And so that comes to mind right away. And then recently I played in, for the first time in Milan, Italy. That, that was also a really, really fun gig, very inspiring to be able to. And I have to ask, I mean, your music is so engaging. Where do you typically find your inspiration? I mean, granted you live in maybe one of the beautifulest places in the world, which is Southern California, the South Bay. But where do you find your inspiration? I mean, yeah, I I think recently we were in Vernazza, Italy. And I have a new album coming out, by the way, August 23rd. So we're going to be sure to be debuting some of that new album on September 21st. Uh, it's a September 21st, right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so we'll be reviewing the brand new album. Very excited about that. I wrote a piece called Vernazza because I was so inspired by this uh, beautiful spot in Italy, the little fishing village. And so that was uh, a really great opportunity to be able to write that song right after I got back from Italy. And uh, sometimes inspiration is just sitting in front of a piano and seeing what happens and <laughs> see what comes out, you know. And it's kind of more of a discipline than anything. Just say, okay, this morning, got to write some music. Following, sort of following your career of late, you've also been doing the Charlie Brown Christmas shows. A lot of presenter friends of mine have, have had you at their venues. What drew you to that particular piece or the, the, that genre to, to do as a live performance? Uh, well, I think the idea came to me years ago after the passing of Charles Schultz. And they asked me to perform some of the Peanuts music at the funeral, which I did. And then I kind of got the idea that this music uh, still resonates with people quite a bit. And so I started experimenting with playing some of it live. And then 
it kind of evolved into a Christmas concert because so much of that music was written for the Charlie Brown Christmas special. So that's kind of how it evolved and then came something real special for us because people that grew up watching that show like yourself, I'm sure you and I are about the same vintage. <laughs> so we all grew up watching it and, and that music. So it's a chance to relive it and, and, and play it because the music is so engaging and it was so much a part of uh, it launched my career with the reason I got into jazz piano. So it's just kind of evolved into something we, we enjoy doing. Here. Yeah, I got to tell you that that one song, I don't know what it's called, but when they're at the dance and I couldn't even begin to sing it, but that, as soon as it's iconic, because as soon as you hear it, you go, oh, that's Charlie Brown Christmas. It's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah. So I, I know also of, of late, you, you've been sort of instrumental in the um, Asian American Youth Symphony. How did that come about? That's a, Kind of a long story, uh, <laughs> to make a long story short. I did a fundraiser for the Asian American Symphony. Uh, this is almost 22 years ago, and it went really, really well. And then the, the music director, who was a classicist, strictly Mozart and Beethoven, had a, had a parting of the ways, and so they were looking for a new music director. So they contacted me, and I accepted. At the time, it, it was just a straight union professional orchestra. And I, in talking with them, felt like they... Like we should build up the youth element of it. So I, I actually formed the youth orchestra in 2002 of the Asia America Youth Symphony, uh, something I started. And then after Toyota pulled out and a few of other, a lot of the big Japanese corporate sponsors just, you know, kind of went away. So we just couldn't fund the full symphony anymore. So we decided to put all our energy into the youth orchestra. And uh, yeah, 20 years late, later, uh, we've had 18 solid seasons. And what we do now is we add a few professional musicians to our headliner concerts. So it, it's really been... Uh, and as I understand it, we will get part of that group or that group at your performance on the 21st? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll have a few of our top kids uh, uh, on the 21st. Uh, you know, maybe uh, somewhere between a 20 to 35 piece orchestra uh, will be part of that evening. That'll be an amazing evening. When you perform, one thing I always, I always ask artists is, people, I mean, obviously people come and they, they, they attend your shows, but what do you as the artist want them to leave with? What's your goal in performing that you want people to, to walk away with? Maybe feeling a little better than they did when they walked in. You know, maybe they're uplifted or their spirits are feeling better. They, or they just, or maybe I touched a nerve or something. But as long as they, they, they feel something that's positive with all the political discourse and everything going on, the crazy news, and you know, that's one chance for them to, to get away from all that and to just have a really fun evening and maybe meet some, some new people as well. And just really feeling maybe a little more elevated leading the theater than when they Going back to the youth symphony, do you ever get surprised by some of these kids? I mean, I, I've seen some of the, the, we have like South Bay's Got Talent where we get to see young kids perform. And to me, I'm just always blown away by some of these kids. Like one kid who won South Bay's Got Talent was an eight-year-old who did Flight of the Bumblebee on piano. And I was just like, how does that happen? Are, do you find that, that these kids are just like crazy talented? Yeah, I mean, we get all kinds. Uh, it's quite, quite the spectrum uh, in the youth orchestra. And there are those just brilliantly talented kids that audition and, and you just know right away, wow, this kid is exceptional. And I think we're starting to see more and more, I, I think as kids get more access to the internet and more information at a much younger age, we're seeing a lot more 
brilliance at, at a young age. I mean, there, there's all sorts of kids over the internet. There's a, there's a kid that's an eight-year-old bass player that's already playing professionally, and there's a, there's a kid named Taj Farad. He's a guitar player. He's eight or nine, and he's playing wild blues. And it's just they're they're everywhere now. They're and they're young, and they're not even hit. They haven't hit puberty. <laughs> And they're playing professionally, and so it's it's a whole new game, and it's exciting. It's very exciting to to see how much energy there is in music. So I'm always looking for those kids that uh, are exceptional, but I also like the ones that maybe come to the orchestra that don't come in with a lot of fireworks or excitement or talent, but are willing to work hard and and be and be nurtured, and so that they're experienced by the time they're finished. Good one for them, and and they've learned something, and I've learned something, and. So we, we look at all kinds of kids from all different levels of music. It's really interesting. That's awesome. Do you, you hold uh, annual auditions for the symphony? Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah, we, we have them every, uh, every September. If somebody was interested in, in joining, they would just keep an eye out for auditions? Yeah, they could go to our website. Uh, we usually put out a notice, too. Uh, and then we do some recruitment around the school system. Uh, this local school systems, but it's, uh, I, I think the auditions are in uh, early September. In fact, awesome. uh, we'll probably be looking for some uh, new kids uh, to participate in the September 21st concert. You know, we'll see what, who comes through and, and what kids show some promise and some talent. They might even have an opportunity to, to play that concert. So, so kids, if you're listening, uh, just go to the website, aasymphony.org, and find out the date. There's an application form on the site, so you can check it out. That's great. Now, as true professional, when you meet these kids, do you have like words of wisdom that you like to impart on them? And one of the things that Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation does is we try to nurture upcoming talent and try and encourage these young creative kids. Any words of wisdom you like to, to give upcoming kids? Not specifically, but just generally that I'm sure that what, what they've heard before, of course, you know, practice makes perfect. But uh, also looking for opportunities to play with other kids. Like, I think it's always a good idea to, especially for the jazz kids, to find other players to play with locally and get in some kind of a band. And not just practice. Practice is part of the big picture. But it's good to be engaged in playing. Find even if you, you play at a, at a retirement home or whatever it is, get, get out there and play. Meet people. Don't just sit home and practice. I mean, honestly, when I was growing up, I was always playing in groups and busy, but probably never practiced as much as I should have. So. <laughs> Kids, he didn't say that, really. <laughs> I, I didn't say it. Don't follow my advice. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, that, you know, you had mentioned the Internet and people, kids go on the Internet. I think back in the day growing up it's like if you wanted to discover new music or wanted to meet musicians you would have to go to the record store you have to buy the records or listen to them or learn from a friend and then that sort of that became sort of the place to meet people nowadays with the internet it's almost harder to for these kids to find musicians of with like minds i mean is that wrong is that or is that just me well I think there's some truth to that. They can feel pretty isolated sometimes if you're just in front of a computer. On the other hand, uh, there are some kids that are so brilliant, they, they post something on the internet, like on YouTube, and all of a sudden they're getting offers to, for professional offers, which would have been impossible when I was growing up. And like you were saying earlier, that's how I did. I remember going to Wallach's Music City. Remember that? Mm -hmm. On Hawthorne Boulevard and uh, Artesia. And they had the little listening booths. And I would 
buy records and listen to them first and buy them and, and transcribe them. And then I had guys I met in high school. I remember one one band, uh, they were very good, uh, Carl Grossman, and, it was, uh, and he's, he has a music studio here in, in Hermosa Beach. We're still closer and uh, jamming with those guys and just meeting people and networking and playing with garage bands. And maybe that whole thing is, is different nowadays because we didn't have the internet, like you say. We didn't have a choice. Uh, the, way, the, the way we had to do it was, it was just meet people in high school and, and find opportunities to connect. And, and I will say with our orchestra, what I like is sometimes we'll take a break and then I'll hear the kids get together and start jamming during the break. And my executive director was like, one day he was, they shouldn't be doing that. I said, no, they should. <laughs> I love it when they do that, when they just kind of pick up instruments and they start playing on standards. I think that's another cool thing about our program. We're not a real strict classical orchestra. We're more like more closer to a, a jazz situation. So we encourage kids to jam with each other, you know, get their phone number uh, and, and have some extracurricular time to just play through tunes. And I think it's invaluable just to play through standards and, and learn how to play with other musicians and and learn about time and timing and phrasing. That's just invaluable experience. You can't get it on the internet. I mean, it's kind of good and bad, I guess, because whereas in the past you had to go to the record store and hang out to, to learn about new music, now they can just hop on the internet. And I mean, it's crazy because kids nowadays know about the artists from the past, the, you know, the Frank Sinatra's, the B.B. King's. I mean, all the old artists are readily available, whereas before you'd have to go either break into your brother's room to listen to his <laughs> records or, or whatever. So I think, it, you know, it's, it, it is good and bad. But I, I like what you're saying is encouraging kids to get out there and jam with other musicians is, is yeah. important. It's really important. So... Do you really focus mostly on classical or do you also, because I know you're a consummate jazz artist, but do they do jazz as well? Yeah, they do. We try to cover the full spectrum, classical. And so that could be a Beethoven symphony, could be Mozart. Probably we don't focus a lot on the more contemporary classical repertoire because it's just, it gets more and more different. You know, we never tackle Shostakovich, for example, or Rachmaninoff, but um, we have tackled the uh, earlier classical uh, repertoire, and then we kind of go from there to a lot of film music, Broadway show music, and then we have kind of a group within a group. We have a jazz ensemble with saxophones and trumpets and trombone. So that we, we've done even some of my arrangements, some big band arrangements, and some straight-ahead jazz. Uh, uh, one year we did a tribute to Buddy Rich. Uh, we did Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. Nice. I urge the kids always to improvise and improvise. We've had a few violin players, even a violist that came up and improvised. And so my mission has always been to get the classical kids to improvise, to get the jazz kids to learn about reading music. Because a lot of the jazz kids don't come from reading music. They come from just playing by ear. So this orchestra is a training ground for them to learn how to read music, learn how to sight read classical, but also learn how to improvise. That sounds great. And it's, I think that's what I'm really looking forward to about the, the show coming up in, in September is that people are going to be not only, I guess, treated to a performance with, are you bringing the, is it you, the quartet or the trio in September? Uh, I'll be bringing a, a young trio with, yeah, in September. They become, we, we just performed in Hermosa Beach. They were former members of the youth orchestra and they're now the young professional players. And they'll be joining me. Uh, it was, it was, I think it, we did the, the event 
We did an event at James Armstrong uh, back last spring, I think, and it was this young group. Awesome. Well, and then, but people are going to be tri- uh, treated to that, and then they'll also get sort of some of the uh, American Youth Symphony. And I am, I'm honestly sort of amazed at how much, because you are so busy traveling, creating not only your own stuff, but also the, with the Youth Symphony. I don't know how you find the time. Are you just like cloned or something? Uh, no, uh, I try to manage it. I, I do have a lot of help from Daryl Tanakawa and Joe Marino, who's actually going to be helping kind of, I'm actually, a- after September 21st, uh, starting into next year, I'm taking a little break and Joe will be taking over my some of my duties just for me to take a little pause and take a deep breath and, uh, you know, look for some fresh ideas. So Joe's going to be helping me a lot more next season with the daily rehearsal because it has been. It's it's trying to uh, find the time to, to do it all and just do it all well. It, it, it's a challenge, but uh, yeah, the, the good thing is I love doing it. So it's stuff that I love. I, I love being on the radio at KJAZ 88.1. I, I love getting out and touring, and so all of those elements are, are stuff that I enjoy. It's just trying to manage it all. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I almost forgot you have your own radio show. How is that like just a dream come true for you? Yeah, it's, I never would have expected it, but I, I always felt like I had a good voice, and, and DJ was sort of a, uh, a little fun thing that I thought I would be good at, and so it, it just kind of fell into my lap. And seven years later, I, I'm still the morning person at K-Jazz, and it's it's been a really fun, fun experience, and, and, and they're so nice over there. Uh, it's been a really great group of people, and I, I just can't say enough good things about it. That's wonderful. Well, David, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. It's been an honor, and we will look forward to your performance on uh, Saturday, September 21st. It's our big 25th anniversary celebration, so I urge people to check it out. So again, thank you, David, and we, we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Thank you, Christian. Thank you.